right now, we're going to be visiting with a man that absolutely believes in reincarnation. As a matter of fact, in his former life, he was a cavalry bugler. He used to be a bugler, but he made a bad mistake one day and lost his job forever in the army. When they had told him to play charge on the bugle, he signaled retreat and they ran over all the generals and thus he got drummed out of the army. Here he is, Dr. History. Now that's an original one there, Zeb. <laughs> I had to think about that for a minute. I was I was under duress. <laughs> the trouble is, there's probably more truth to that than because uh, uh, my musical ability stops right about at the radio. <laughs> I, have you ever tried to play a bugle? You know, my brother is the band teacher at the Declo, and he can play anything and everything. And over the years, I've tried to play uh, a horn, a trumpet, a you know those things, and I can't. I can't blow like he blows. Well, I'm telling you, when you play a trumpet or a bugle, it tickles. I can't do that. Yeah. Well, you got to get your lips just right and everything. And I, yeah, I can't do it. I, it just sounds like a calf bellering when I try to do it. Yeah, and when I was a little boy, you know, I've told this before. I took a, my parents thought it was a neat deal when I was about eight years old to uh, take accordion lessons. That is inhumane and parental abuse when you have a fat kid learn how to play an accordion. <laughs> could have been worse. Could have been bagpipes. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, here's people who think they get music out of a, you know, like, anyway. You'd be better off when you're milking a cow trying to get some music out of it. <laughs> That's right. Hey, what do you got for us today? Well, I'm going to tell you about a, a half-breed Indian that was either crazy or really, really brave. Hmm. Do we get a chance to pick? You can, when we get done, you can, you can decide which way you want to go with this guy. Okay. So... Anyway, his name was Pierre Garou. Pierre Garou. Garou, and, and you'll see why here. Okay. Uh, he actually was one of the most daring and kind of picturesque figures of the fur trading days. And the reason he was named what he was is because he was the son of a Turtle Mountain French man and a Cree woman. Mm-hmm. So he was a half-breed, but I've got a picture of him here, and he looks totally, totally uh, Indian. Uh, I see. I mean, he, he doesn't look French at all, but he was born in the Turtle Mountain country about 1798, so quite a, quite a while ago. Where's the Turtle Mountain country? You know, I got to looking at this, and I thought, I, I didn't look it up. I'm not sure where we're, where we're talking here. A Turtle Mountain? I've never heard of that. Um, yeah, I, I'm just not sure, but we're going to talk about the Assiniboine Indians, so I'm thinking it's got to be... You know, maybe the Dakotas or somewhere out this way. Yeah, okay. Mountain. I'll have to look that up, but I, I, I'm not sure. All right. But anyway, he was born 1798, so, you know, this goes back quite a ways. Uh, when he was a young man, he went with his mother to the Missouri country, so he lived with her for a while, and she was a Cree Indian. So, so I guess that's kind of where we can start is Missouri. But anyway, in 1831, uh, Guru was made a member of one of the keelboat crews, and all the robes and pelts that were taken down to St. Louis on, and on the return trip, the boats brought back loads of goods for the Indians, and uh, Pierre, or Guru, went on several of these trips. Well, after one of these trips, he stayed in St. Louis for three or four years and worked in a bakery. Now, this doesn't sound like much of a beginning for a guy that I'm, as I get on with the story here, but he went to a place called Fort Clark. Now, again, I'm going to think that that's probably up to Missouri there somewhere. Mm-hmm. 
Um, and he was to act as its hunter, and his task, of course, was to keep the fort supplied with fresh meat. I see. Well, Gru and a French employee of the fort uh, decided they were going to go out and, and get some meat. So they uh, camped in a, a little uh, depression where there's good grass and water for the horses. And it was here that they were ambushed uh, just at daylight. Uh, a volley of gunfire came from some high ground, and they killed his buddy, his partner, immediately. Well... Guru jumped up. He threw his gun out into the grass, and he held his hands up in the air, and he basically, he had a nickname which was called Long Hair, and mm -hmm. I'm not sure why. He had long hair? He, well, not according to this picture I'm looking at. Oh, okay. He didn't. But anyway, he, he threw his gun out, and he stood up, and he says, I don't know who you are, but I'm Long Hair, and he said, come and get me. I don't want to lie here and just get shot. Well, the party proved to be uh, 17 mounted Cinnabon Indians, and it was led by a famous chief called Redstone. Now, wait a minute. Stop here. Okay. We have one man stepping up, throwing his gun out in front of him and saying, I've had enough. Come here. Now, yeah, this yeah. guy, I think right. absolutely I can answer your question. He's nuts. <laughs> okay. Well, he was, he was giving up. He was surrendering. Oh. Oh, so, you know, he, he wasn't going to take them on. He, he was, just didn't want to get shot. So. <laughs> but he, this group was led by a chief uh, named Redstone, and they were pretty happy at their easy capture of this guy. Evidently, he had a bit of a reputation as a, as a great hunter. I see. Well, they started to uh, tie his hands uh, behind him, and he said, no. He says, I'll go without being tied. Well, this kind of pleased the Assiniboine Indians, and the whole party headed north towards their village, and... They had uh, Guru marching on foot between a couple of, of riders. And as was their custom, when there was no immediate danger, uh, they stopped for a rest and, and to smoke the pipe. And they squatted in kind of an irregular circle, and a young warrior filled the pipe and passed it to the chief. Mm -hmm. Now, Guru, as a prisoner, had been placed inside the circle. Yeah. Now, if you can picture this, he's kind of squatting down there inside the circle, the Indians around him. They've lit the pipe. And the young man in charge of the job of uh, lighting the pipe, he goes to give it to uh, uh, the, the chief, right. the Redstone. Right. Well, okay, so Guru, now this is where the, maybe the bravery or the craziness, he jumps up, grabs the pipe, and says, I'm going to smoke first. I am the chief here. Oh, wait a minute. Uh, this guy, this sounds like wacky tobacco to me. <laughs> Well, I don't know how much or what was in the, the pipe, but, uh, you know, he... So, anyway, so Redstone, the chief, he jumps up, raises his tomahawk, uh -huh. but Guru is, must have been pretty fast, because he uh, struck the chief's wrist and sent the, the tomahawk flying, and at the same moment, he grabbed the chief around his waist, just below the ribs, and evidently this guy was pretty strong, because he held the chief really strong with his left hand, with his right hand, he grabbed a gun from Chief Redstone and held it against his bo against uh, Redstone's body. So, now picture this. Here's the Indians around him. Here's Guru standing there with his arm around the chief and a gun uh, pressed to the chief's uh, chest or head or whatever. So, anyway, so his bravery pretty much kind of paralyzed the whole band of Indians. They just sat there like statues. Now, just a minute, Doc. I mean, doggone it all. We got to back up here. We got 17 Indians that are underneath old Chief Redstone, right? Right. I got a feeling they're going to be unemployed. <laughs> well, 
you know, this guy jumped up so fast and caught him off guard. They just, they just sat there. And, you know, yeah, Redstone's probably thinking, do something. But, you know, <laughs> uh, again, Guru had a, a gun pointed at him. And uh, so Guru stands up and he says, okay, you guys, you want to shoot? You go ahead and shoot, but uh, I'm ready to go, and I'm going to take somebody with me, and it's your chief. Mm-hmm. I'm not going to go alone. I want somebody that's brave to go with me, and I'm going to take Redstone with me. Well, after a long pause, one of the warriors said, okay, we don't want to kill you. Um, and Pierre Guru said, well, if you don't kill me, I won't kill your chief, but you got to start off on the prairie, and when you're out of sight, I'll let your chief go. Mm-hmm. So here we have 16 Assiniboine Indians. They get up slowly. They head towards their horses. And Guru, again, you got to wonder about craziness or smart, but he says, no, those horses are all mine. Uh, to pay for my partner you, they kill, you killed this morning. So you take all your things, but you leave those horses for me. Maybe the guy absolutely was overplaying his hand of deuces here, do you suppose? <laughs> well, you know, I would have thought, okay, get on your horses and get away as fast as you can. But Good no, thinking. No, he's saying, uh, uh, you know, you leave your horses. Those are mine. Uh-huh. Sixteen horses. Okay. Okay, so here we have, uh, okay, their chief was still in Guru's uh, grip. Uh, with a gun held on him, and his fate obviously depended on their next move. So the Indians went over, they took off their saddles, their bridles, their gear, and they started walking away, leaving their horses. Well, when they were out of sight, Guru released his grip on Redstone and said, okay, now Redstone, you can get on your horse and go tell your people, uh, talk to them and tell them that one, what one brave man did all alone to 17 Assiniboine Indians. Now, I think that right there you got to stop, because I think there might be something lost in the translation when they get back to the teepees. <laughs> yeah, you think Redstone's going to say, yeah, I, I don't know. He may embellish it to his favor. A Just a little bit. Yeah. So anyway, but he's got 16 witnesses, too, that are going to say, yeah, our chief was, was held by this guy. So anyway, this, this event really increased Guru's fame. I mean, everywhere he went, he was... Uh, kind of honored, and even children used to follow him, but Guru was actually a really a good guy. I mean, he was uh, honest, he was moral, he uh, was just a good guy. He's crazy. He was entirely without education. Uh, he couldn't even write his own name. He was a devout Catholic. Say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate mega stores, led by Walmart and Target are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall credit card bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall credit card bill. Um, now, this is the, the next story I'm going to tell you is, is uh, something else he did that was, again, you got to wonder about craziness or bravery. Uh-huh. 1886, a war party of Dakota Indians rode out of the hills and came up to destroy a trading post at Fort Berthold. Okay, they uh, rode to within a short distance of the fort, got off their horses, about 100 warriors, holding their blankets around their necks. They came to the front gate, and they squatted in a big circle. Well, they began to work themselves up into a fury, uh, getting ready to uh, attack this, uh, this fort. Well, about this time, Guru came out of his room, and he was dressed in black pants, blue shirt, red sash around his waist, 
a red handkerchief around his head, and he had two long, bright knives. Mm-hmm. And he basically told him, he says, uh, I'll go out there and I'll stop what's going on. And he told the people, he said, every Indian out there has a lariat underneath his blanket, and in a few minutes, they're going to throw those lariats over the fort, and they'll be in here faster than you can uh, shake a stick. But anyway, so they opened up the gate, and Guru rushed out. He jumped over into the circle of the Dakota Warriors. Yeah. Now, this sounds familiar, doesn't it? Oh, yeah, this guy is absolutely not playing with a full deck of cards. <laughs> well, so here he is in the middle of 100 Dakota Warriors. A hundred? Uh, war hoop and he yelled, he says, I like to hear you brave men talk. He says, I'm a brave man myself. And he stopped before one of the warriors and he said, he boasted, he said, I killed your brother. And he says, his scalp hung in my room. Hmm. Uh, you know, anyway, and then he went on to say, I've lived in your country for a long time. And he says, I've never found anybody as brave as me. He says, I'm looking for somebody here that I, I want some man to take one of these knives and I'll take the other. And we'll see who's the bravest. Sounds so, like, he sounds like Mayor Bloomberg from New York. <laughs> well, he's an interesting guy. You know, so here he is strutting around this circle, offering a knife to each of the Indians in turn, a hundred of them. And none of them would take the knife. Not one of them. So, anyway, then uh, he started taunting them, telling them that they were old women. And, again, the Dakotas were taken so back they couldn't even answer. So not one of them took up his challenge. The war party was at an end, and in 30 minutes they'd mounted their horses and were headed towards the hill. Now, wait a minute, Doc. I've always respected your stories uh, as being, uh, you know, very historically close to fact and everything. But when you tell me one guy jumped in the middle of a hundred warriors and started saying, I killed your brother and I'm going to do the same to you. Come on now, Doc. This is bordering on Hollywood here. Well, you know, everything you read has got to be absolutely true, right? <laughs> <laughs> so, this came from a... Uh, actually, I have a patient that brought me a whole stack of uh, true Western magazine stories, uh, and it's out of one of those, so oh my. true. Oh, my goodness. So, anyway, he saved the day. Yeah, yeah. And uh, to finish off the story here... Uh, Pierre actually was, uh, he was married at one time, and he Boy. had three sons. <laughs> I just and, had something really funny to say, but I'm not going to. Okay. <laughs> Don't go there. Okay. okay. Uh, so Guru had, he, he had three sons, and they later lost their lives in warfare with the Sioux. They were returning from a, a hunt when uh, they were kind of towards the back of the pack, and one of the pack horses... Uh, threw its load of meat and ran off and so the three brothers had stopped behind the main party and they were trying to catch the horse and one thing or another and, and repack the horse with the meat well the three young men did not come back and so a well-armed party with Guru at the head started out to search for them well near the place where the boys had separated from the main group the party found them they had been scalped their bodies riddled with arrows and uh, so obviously another uh, group of Indians that they don't know really, uh, it doesn't say who, had killed his three sons. Mm. So, and this was, you know, this was a real tragedy for this guy, and uh, obviously, and, uh, and by that, and that really shook him up, uh, actually. And uh, anyway, he went back to the fort, and uh, his end kind of came in kind of a sad way at age uh, 
Well, he would have been about 83. It was 1881. He was living alone um, in a cabin there at the fort, and somehow his cabin caught on fire, and he was not able to uh, get away, and they found him dead just inside his door. He uh, probably uh, died from smoke inhalation. But here was Pierre Garou. He contributed a lot to the West's uh, 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 story of bravery, you know, and courage. Uh, you know, again, he was either crazy or uh, really, really brave. But uh, and, and as I mentioned, he was a good guy. He was honest. He was moral. Uh, had he didn't have bad habits. You know, he's just a good guy. What about his wife? You never ended the story. I mean, she I must have been something else, like Superwoman, to be married to him. You know, there's not one thing that mentions about him getting married. Well, you just... Now, now I'm assuming that he did. Oh, okay. <laughs> he had three sons, so, you know, being a moral guy, and I said he was a very devout Catholic, and and I'm just going to assume that he, that he had to have been married. You know what happens when you assume. <laughs> I, I know. I'm just giving him the benefit. I mean, he's, he's a good guy. Okay. You know? Very brave guy, and... Uh, can you imagine, seriously, think about this, being married to a guy that is going to jump into the middle of a hundred fighting warriors with just two knives? Now, that lady absolutely had to question her choice. <laughs> That's true. Although, you know, if you wanted protection, you know, that would have been your man. It, it, but, you know, if you think about the Indian uh, uh, stories about Indians, they respected somebody that was brave. I mean, bravery was uh, was a huge thing in in the Indian lore and the Indian uh, culture. Yeah, but they also were afraid of crazy people, and they left them alone too. <laughs> That's true. So I, I don't know which way they went with this guy. <laughs> Remember in Jeremiah Johnson, um, the movie, and the woman that had lost her family, and right. she went nuts, and the Indians wouldn't bother her because she was crazy. Well, it sounds like old Pierre had a pretty good thing going for him. He was either tough or crazy, and they didn't know which card to pull. Yeah. Well, it's like the story you like to remind me about, about the uh, naked mountain man who was went chasing towards the Indians, and they thought he was crazy. No, he was crazy. <laughs> he was crazy. <laughs> no doubt about that. I don't know where you dig some of this stuff up, but I had never heard of Pierre, what was his name? Guru. Guru. I'm not sure if I'm saying that right, because it's French. Okay. I, I'm assuming, but like I say, I've got a patient that brought me a whole stack of uh, these True West magazines, and I'm just kind of going through them. They go back clear to 1963, and uh, I'm just kind of going through those and finding some stories. Well, I'll tell you uh, what, it's a good thing you're not a psychiatrist instead of a chiropractor, because then I'd really be worried. I would have been analyzing this guy. <laughs> so, oh, you know what? In the course of telling this story, my good Kim's secretaries, both of them are named Kim, Yeah found out where the Turtle Mountains are. Uh, and let me take a guess, okay? Because while you said right. that, I was thinking about that. And I think the Turtle Mountains are over in uh, Colorado. Nope. Nope. They are... Uh, they're actually a portion of the state of North Dakota and kind of a southwestern part of the Canadian province of Manitoba. Really? Yeah, so it's, it's way up north there. Uh, there's there's actually the Turtle Mountain Indian Reservation up in there. Um, yeah, just uh, yeah, just looking at what they gave me. Uh, okay. 
there was coal mining up in that area. Uh, but, uh, yeah, that's, that's where it's at. It's up there in North Dakota, Manitoba. And, see, you have a crack staff of people that are sharp as fishing hooks that can go out and get this information and find out about Pierre Guru. <laughs> well, when I say something like, I don't know, they're immediately on the Internet. <laughs> they drop everything. Patients are led to be in suffering because they're going to get the information about the but Turtle Mountains. You know where the priority is. <laughs> <laughs> okay, now that we've talked about a guy that's absolutely crazy, Pierre Garou, uh, what about next week? Who are you going to try to top this story with? Uh, well, you know, I found another story in one of these magazines about a another guy that uh, had to be a little crazy, too. Crazy as in like a serial killer. Yeah. But, and this also happened up uh, around Vancouver, up in the Canada area, and, and it's about a lost gold mine. You know what we ought to do, though, Doc, seriously? Next week, next Tuesday, we're just getting underway with the Cache County Fair. Let's do something right. on the fair. Well, and, you know, actually, I, as I thought about that, I thought about maybe doing something on rodeo, history of rodeo. There you go. And, uh, and I do have some stories about... Uh, uh, some rodeo events and how they got started and uh, one thing or another. So I may just do something about rodeo next week. You know, I could tell a story about a chiropractor that's got a warped sense of eating values with maple bars and bacon. <laughs> yeah, well, you know, you laughed about it till I brought them to you. Oh, they're good. They're good. <laughs> Listen, God bless you, man. That was great. You and Pierre, enjoy your afternoon kind of showing your knives back and forth, okay? <laughs> we'll do it. Okay, have a good one. See you later. Dr. History, better known as Dr. Ken Turner. I love that segment. Thank you so much. I appreciate it. This is the story of the one. As head of maintenance at a concert hall, he knows the show must always go on. That's why he works behind the scenes, ensuring every light is working, the HVAC is humming, and his facility shines. With Granger's supplies and solutions for every challenge he faces, plus 24-7 customer support, his venue never misses a beat. Call quickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger, for the ones who get it done.